0: Hello, beautiful people! Welcome to Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast, where the topics of discussion are always on grisly violence, charming characters, good writing, decapitations, and every now and again we have a psychosexual lesbian con game. I'm Gabriel Amara, I'm one of your hosts of the show, and this is another edition of our favorite, absolute favorite and I guess only, sub-series, My Grody Valentine, where a special guest sits down with us and tells us a story about their favorite Grody cult film. I think there have been some misconceptions before about what MGV movies are supposed to be, so all you really ever have to know is that it's the kind of movie that you want to show other people because you love it so much, but you don't trust their taste to appreciate it the way you do. Today's guest is a very, very great get for us. I'm thrilled that we got him at all. He is Matt Ramo. He is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Wave Back, brought to you by Geekade.com. I'm a big fan of Matt and Chris Rendazzo's show, Wave Back, give that a listen, you get a chance, it's just wonderful video game music all the time. And Matt brought to us... Um, our first Oliver Stone film, which I guess is kind of surprising. Get ready for some twists and turns. This is one of the longest ones we've done yet because this, I, this is a, this is a twisty, turny, windy one. But, um, I enjoyed the movie and it, I hope you'll enjoy the episode. So I'll see you guys on
1: the other side.
0: Here is Matt Remo.
1: U-Turn is on its surface is a film about a guy having a really, really bad day. And, you know, when there's that saying, some people say, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Like, this is the cinematic embodiment of that. It really shows the dark side of people. Some of the central themes that they pitch in dialogue is that people, you know, animals do crazy things in this type of heat. You see the the real dark side of people. You know, every character comes to the table fully loaded with their own BS and... You know, you watch a lot. I think we watch a lot of characters hit their breaking point, and I think it's a good study. Maybe, well, maybe it's not the best study, but it's a good study in in the human psychology and and what people are capable of when pushed to their breaking point. Uh, my name is Matt Ramo. Who am I? I'm a self-proclaimed filmmaker. Uh, I generate content for the interwebs. You can see that content mostly at Geekade.com. That's G-E-E-K-A-D-E.com. I do most of the behind the scenes stuff and production for a wrestling wrap-up show similar to The Daily Show called Ring the Bell with JR Perez. I do a podcast called The Wave Back with the head of Geek Aid, Chris. We cover video game music and all its splendor. And then I also do another podcast where I co-host with Geek Aid's own Dean DeFalco called Backdrops and Body Slams where we pontificate on wrestling. On top of that, I'm a writer-slash-director-slash-audio-slash-producer-slash-craft services for Briefcase Productions. Uh, You can check out, you know, some of our stuff at briefcaseproductions.com. And, um, I think that about covers it. Uh, U-Turn by Oliver Stone came out in 1997, and I probably rented it from Blockbuster.
0: Yes, it's a good day for singing a song, and it's a good day.
1: All he wanted
0: was to get from here to there. When he discovered you can't get there. Oh, no, not From here. Hey! Just take a look at the radiator hose. I think it's busted. What's oh, your radiator hose. It's busted. In the town of Superior, Arizona... dog looks sick. That's because he's dead. Huh? Things ain't always what they seem. They have a special name. Toby and Tucker. Call me TNT. For strangers. You ain't planning on staying around here, are you?
1: In here I made you all hot and sweaty.
0: We're just passing through. Christ! Who the hell are you? I'm her husband. It's roadkill. <laughs> Hey, bud. What happened to my car? I don't know, but it's the reason that I'm living here and you're just passing through. You're not still upset over that little love tap, are you? Can't live with him, can't live without him. Can't live with him, can't shoot him. Would you? Uh, Would I what? Would you kill her? There's money. Please do it for me, Bobby. This car ain't going nowhere till I get money. Kill her. Kill her. Ah! You think you can take the money and dump me? What? We love each other, we're gonna run off and I'm gonna have his love child!
1: Is everybody in this town on drugs? I I don't think you understand. I
0: have to get out of here! You got any requests? Sean Penn. Is everybody crazy in this crazy town? Jennifer Lopez. Tighter, I won't break. Nick Nolte. Mano's got no ethics. as a free man. Powers Booth. Kind of peculiar how things happen. Claire Danes. I'm gonna be 18 two years. Joaquin Phoenix.
1: I'm just like dynamite boy, and when I go off, somebody gets hurt.
0: Fine. And Billy Bob Thornton. You
1: think bad, then bad's what you get.
0: An Oliver Stone movie. 40,000 people die every day. How come you're not one of them? U <laughs> turn. How come Patsy Klein don't put out no more new records? Because she's dead.
1: You... Don't let make you sad?
0: I've had time to get over
1: it. Now, at the time, I was only 17, 18. So, graduating high school, 12 years of Catholic school, which I was greatly rebelling against. Uh, I'm not an organized religion person one bit. I definitely was anti-establishment, because I think when you're 17 or 18, you're really raging against the machine. You don't really know what the machine is yet. You just know you should be raging against it. (laughs) And uh, I probably was in that headspace, honestly. You know, at the time, Oliver Stone was really hot. This came out, he crushed Natural Born Killers, and that kind of cinema at the time was, oh, man, it was very, like, in your face. It was, it itself was probably against, uh, was, was raging against the machine of organized cinema, too, I think. I, I often think back to Natural Born Killers and and think about the concept of filmmaking and storytelling and how he did a lot with the visual medium. So U turn is essentially the story of Sean Penn, aka Bobby. It opens with him driving through the desert, he blows a radiator hose, ends up at this Po Dung uh, garage named Harlan's. And there's a great interaction with Billy Bob Thornton, who plays this just like, oh, he's just like the white trashiest of white trash. And and uh, he says, you know, hey, look, I think my radiator hose is busted. Can you give me a hand? And he's like, yeah, you know, you leave your car, I'll I'll take care of it. He says, well, how long? He says, ah, about two hours. Yeah it has got be ninety already.
0: It's ninety-two. What happened to your hand, anyhow? Accident. Accident. You got to be more careful, bud. See, hands is important. Let me show you something. I don't know if you can still see it, but when I was a kid, that's really interesting to me. But is is there some place in this dust bowl I can get something to drink? Well, there's a diner down there. It ain't much. Yeah. yeah. A simple folk like it, you know. I'll be be back in a couple hours. Just be real careful there, all right? Hey! Just a car. No, it's not just a car. It's a 64 and a half Mustang convertible. It's a difference between you and me. That's why you're living here and I'm just passing
1: through. Bobby heads up t- into town. It doesn't even have one street light. It's like a main drag and that's it, a handful of storefronts, whatever. He really doesn't want to be here. He really needs to get moving and something is, something's chasing him perhaps. We get this visual cue from Bobby that he lost two fingers, his hands wrapped up, so he's got his thumb, his index, and his middle sticking up out of bandages wrapped up in his hand. All of a sudden, then, he catches his first glimpse of Jennifer Lopez, who is playing a Native American woman, which, you know, in hindsight, it may not have been the best of choices, but I'm sure at the time it was like, well, she's hot, let's do it. And uh, she's carrying these really heavy boxes, so the smooth-talking Bobby, who's a womanizer, runs after, and he's like, My mother
0: told me not to accept offers from strangers. I'm Bobby, see? I'm a strangers. stranger, see how easy that was, beautiful? Do you have to call me that? Well, I don't know your name. Maybe I don't want you to. Well, maybe you wouldn't stop walking if you did. You're pretty full of yourself. Yeah, I like that about me, beautiful. It's Grace. Grace? I carry your package.
1: He's really trying to smooth talk and fast talk his way around her, and she's just like not really having any of it. Finally, she kind of gives in, she's like...
0: Well, I could use some help. Get any boxes in the house. You could shower. Get something cool to drink.
1: And in the shower, we see that his fingers have been cut off. He takes his bandages off, and then they do a flashback to him in an alleyway. It's raining, which makes no sense if you read the book. And he gets his pinky and his ring finger taken off with a pair of gardening shears from someone who says,
0: Bobby, "I want my money." You got that? I want my money. Get your money. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this.
1: When he comes out of the shower, he's all clean or whatever, and J Lo's there, and and uh, you know she gives him the lemon, the quintessential lemonade, and they do a little gymnastics, and then boom, he's like making out with her. All of a sudden, door swings wide, the fuck open. Nick Nolte barges in.
0: J. I thought you were in phoenix. Who the hell is this? Who the hell are you? I'm her husband. Hus-
1: oh, who saw that coming? So Nick Nolte punches Sean Penn in the face, despite him saying, like, look, I didn't know. So he punches him in the face, and he's like, you really thought I was going to let you leave here? Like, you know. While Jake is scolding Grace, Bobby takes his, he slim, slinks, and the word is slinks, out of the house. He's wandering along, and Jake in his like giant Cadillac try picks up Bobby. He's like, Look, man, I didn't know you were you were I didn't know she was married. I wouldn't have. He's like, nah, that's bullshit. You're the slimy type of guy that regardless you would have done it anyway. I smell it on you. And then Jake kinda says something to the effect of like, But that's who she is, man. She plays games like that. She drives me up a wall. I could just kill her. And they laugh and kind of insinuates that He's the type of guy, Bobby's the type of guy that could murder his wife and they could split the insurance money. Listen,
0: boy, I got a $50,000 life insurance policy and I would be more than happy to get the man and in a good chunk of it. Ken, I've done some things. I'm not a murderer. Oh. oh, yeah, well, how do you know if you never tried? Huh?
1: And that's it. And they, that's like the end of the conversation. He gets dropped off in town. Bobby goes to a convenience store trying to get something to drink. At this convenience store, this Podunk convenience store, there's a little Mexican woman behind the counter or whatever. He's got this backpack with him, he's been carrying this backpack the whole time. There's a ton of money in there. These two big biker dudes come in and they attempt to hold up the place. And, of course, the woman gives, like, you know, 20 bucks from the counter, and the guy turns to Bobby. He's like, give me everything you got, give me the bag. Bobby does his best to keep it away, but he ends up getting fucking pistol-whipped in the face. And they take the bag. Now, as they're running out, the woman behind the counter pulls a shotgun and blasts both dudes. In the process of blasting both dudes, she blows up the bag of money, shreds it to bits and pieces because it's, like, buckshot. Bobby sees all his money is gone, and he's now up shit's creek. He ends up going to a diner. He's waiting to get served. And then Joaquin Phoenix, Toby, Claire Danes, Jenny come in. Young couple. He's dressed very rockabilly pompadour. And she's like this cute little whatever. They go sit down. Bobby's still waiting to be served. Toby goes to the bathroom. Jenny gets up seeing this stranger in town. And she starts chatting him up. Hey, mister, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. are ain't
0: from around here, really, are you? Where are you from? Oz. You ain't you ain't from Oz. Oz is from that movie. You are too quick for me. <laughs> oh no no no.
1: Now I'm seeing, but but I'm not believing. No no no. Mister, what do you think you're doing, my girl? And all of a sudden, Toby comes out and he's pointing at, him, and she's like, "Oh, Toby, it ain't nothing." Just as they get in each other's faces, Powers Booth, who plays the sheriff, comes on in, and of course. Toby you get on and he's like yes sir he's just like come on Jenny and he like grabs her by the wrist and drags her out she's like bye mister you know like oh geez." he goes back down to the mechanic shop who's now charging him more it results in a power struggle where now Daryl has all the power his car and so now essentially he's stuck in this town with no money now really strapped he goes and visits Jake and he's like alright look you were serious about that I'm serious about killing your wife Let's figure this out. There's a lot of things now. The thing about like Oliver Stone is he's very visual and I, I love it because, you know, when I'm sitting and having a conversation with someone, someone's talking about things and I'm visualizing them and then we get this dream sequence where we find out that Jake was sleeping with Grace's mother and in actuality cheating on his other wife. And then he, at the same time, he would molest Grace as a child. So yeah, there's that. Jake tells Bobby, go up to the house and get her to take you out to the the Red Rocks or whatever, and you could do it out there. Bobby goes up there, and he can't bring himself to killing her, so he ends up sleeping with her. Grace then tries to flip the script and say, I wish that we could kill Jake, because my mother used to say he had a ton of money, always had this money in the safe in the floor, and if we kill him, we could take the money, we could both get the fuck out of Superior but Bobby turns down this idea of killing Jake at first. He tries to buy himself a ticket on a bus to get out of town. As he's leaving, this thug rolls into town, but, like, at the last second, the cop pulls him over and starts interrogating him, finds he's got a concealed weapon, and Bobby bounces. That's that, and he thinks, like, oh, my luck's finally turning. (laughs) Sure than shit, he gets sucker punched in the stomach by Toby. Toby ends up actually ripping up Bobby's ticket, drawing the last straw, like the straw that broke the camel's back, rather. He he just loses his shit, and he beats the ever-loving piss out of Toby. Finally, Bobby goes to Grace, and he's like, all right, we're going to... He calls her up, actually, and he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And she says, okay, we're going to... I'll leave the door open at night. You got to come at night and, you know, kill him while we're in bed or whatever. So he does. He sneaks into the house, and they're, like, banging or something. Jake hears something, grabs his gun, which was... Actually, Bobby's gun that Daryl had taken from his trunk and sold to Jake. So there's that. He gets the gun, he goes downstairs, he catches Bobby, and now they have this back and forth. In this great turn of events, which is really what ends up happening from this point on in the movie, is he just throws Grace right under the bus. And he's like, how do you think I got in here? He's like, Grace got me to try and kill you. Jake tells him, go, go kill her now. She has no idea what's going on. Meanwhile, Grace hears it. She goes and gets herself a fucking tomahawk and waits. Jake comes running in after he hears this loud commotion. He hears her screaming, and Sean Penn's on the floor, seemingly dead. And then there's this whole tussle. They end up killing Jake. They take the key. They find the safe, and there's just tons and tons of money. And in a great turn of events, they just have sex right in front of the dead body. He goes to Daryl's. He pays the money. They get in his car, and they drive off, and now they're in the desert and they're talking or whatever and they get pulled over by the cop cop knows exactly what's happened and now he pulls his gun and he's like grace how could you you're supposed to run off with me and there's this whole like conversation and it's really high tension because he's got his gun on bobby bobby thinks like oh hell i was all almost out and she flips on him she's like he made me do it he killed jake he told me i had no choice Grace pulls the gun, and he tells her not to, but she shoots the cop in the, you know, Powers Booth in the stomach. And he's just like, oh, hell, man, you just made this worse. And then she shoots him in the fucking face. Because, like, you know, she was, and someone says it too, she's been fucking the whole town. Because she really wants to get the hell out of there. She gets back in the car, and they're driving somewhere, and they finally reach somewhere by daylight. And now they got to dump these bodies, so they start to dump the cop first, and she's got the pistol. And she's like, does this make you uncomfortable? He's like, I'm just, you know, she's like, are you afraid that, like, you're going to turn your back and I'm just going to shoot you in the head? And he doesn't really say anything, but, like, you know, he's thinking it. They're getting ready to pull the old man out of the trunk, and he elbows her in the face and takes the gun. (laughs) And she's like, you fucking hit me. And she starts laughing about it. (laughs) So he gets his gun back, and she's like, fine, if it makes you feel better or whatever. They chuck him off the cliff. Now both guys are down in this ditch, gulch, whatever you want to call it. Bobby is there at the edge, and he starts to turn around and walk back, and as he does, he gets pushed by Grace, and he just goes down into the gulch, too. Now, he's at the bottom, and he's just busted the fuck up. She goes to his car and realizes he took the key out of the ignition. Keys are on him, so now she realizes she's stranded. She goes back over the edge, and she's trying to talk to him. His leg's busted, and he's like, you just... Just get a rope, and you just let me let it down, and I'll, you know, bring me back up. And she's like, but you got the keys, throw the keys. And he's like, "Mm, I don't know about that. (laughs) She eventually comes down to meet him. And as he's coming, as she's coming down, he goes for the gun, because they put the gun there. And there's a struggle between the two of them. He's trying to choke her to death. She manages to get the gun. She shoots him. He chokes her completely to death. And then he slumps over. You know, gut shot, broken leg, fell down a, you know, a 50-foot drop or whatever. And that's pretty much how the movie ends. <laughs> Dude, it, it there's so much double crossing. It's so, like, even even talking about it with you, and I just watched it last night, I i can't keep up with it. it. You, It's one of these movies you have to just sit down and watch from start to finish. Why it's my Valentine. Uh, between... The violence, um, and honestly the outright lust for Jennifer Lopez's character, I mean there's there's nothing else to be said, like every person in this film comes from a different corner of the universe, and they all have a reason, which is all anybody really needs, they all have a reason to do what they do, and the unfortunate part is it's all dark. Not one person in this film is coming from a place of you know, compassion or love or consideration. That being said, I, I was very rebellious. I think one of the chief elements of rebellion is violence. Especially when you're 17 or 18 and you're really just in the eyes of the law, you're an adult. I was a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, male, raised by a single mom. I, I had a good head on my shoulders, but at the same time, like, I, had a, I feel like I had a fight to fight. I didn't know what it was, I didn't know who the enemy was, but you know, I think you're, you're chock full of that energy. You're on the cusp of, quote-unquote, being a man, again, on paper, not mentally. And I think this film, for me, was very much like, it spoke to me a lot. Things like um, Pulp Fiction were coming out. So you're seeing like this hyper-violence. Dudes getting blown away and fingers getting cut off, all kinds of stuff. And to some extent, like, a a level of sex and not just sex, but, like, lust. None of these films had, like, love in them. I didn't have anybody over when I watched it. I think I I I watched it completely by myself, and I was so enthralled by it. But the funny part is, like, when I see a good film, I immediately share it with other people. I did that with Clerks. I was so blown away by Clerks. I was like, you guys have to see it. It's so funny. It's so well put together. But this film, for some reason, I really kept it close to the heart. And I don't think I ever watched it with anyone until... I started dating my now wife. It never really came up until she moved in and all her stuff came in and we were unboxing all her stuff and I was like, you have a copy of U-Turn on DVD? And she's like, yeah, I love that movie. And I'm like, I have a copy of U-Turn on DVD. And we just kind of looked at each other like, wow, okay. I didn't think anybody else saw this movie. Like Oliver Stone had a great run in the 90s, but I feel like this was probably a forgotten film of his or like it may have slipped through the cracks or whatever. I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't watched it since maybe I was like 17 or 18. I think more what the film has done for me long term. Um, it's given me a great sense of the type of person I am as far as what kind of entertainment I enjoy, what kind of stories I like hearing or reading or seeing. We live in an age now where films come out every single day and a lot of them are passable. Uh, oh, I saw such and such. How was it? Yeah, it was alright. That's not a real ringing endorsement for a film and yet they keep coming out. And so I think something like U Turn and the direction of Oliver Stone and the fantastic writing of John Ridley, who wrote the book, it's based on Stray Dogs. If you can get your hands on it, do it. 165 pages, a real easy read. I think what it's done for me is shown me that don't settle for a subpar film. There is great storytelling out there. You can tell great stories using violence. Now, granted, there are not a lot of people that are going to agree with me. You know, some people are advocates for no violence or whatever, but you can tell a great story using violence to showcase and spotlight like the desperation of man. How desperate can one man be? What desperate can one woman be? Given certain circumstances, like normal people won't do these things unless pushed. And I like that. Delve deep into the the dark side of man. We every day we pass by hundreds of people, assuming we leave our establishments or work or home or otherwise. And you never know what's going on behind the eyes of someone else. And I always sit on a train. I always sit on a bus. And if I happen to lock eyes with someone, I immediately start coming up with a backstory for them. Mostly to entertain myself. But the truth is, like, you don't know. And, like, you know, here's someone that could be going to their third job because they don't make enough of the other two or whatever the case may be. And you never know. And I, I love this movie because it's a constant reminder of, like, Hey man, you know, never say never. God forbid, end up there or something, you know. Or worse yet, you might encounter someone who who is there. Treat everyone all right because you never really know. You never truly know what's, you know, someone's going through. And just just be kind to one another, I guess. As as strange as that sounds to talk about a film where people are backstabbing each other for insurance money or hidden money or you're on the run because you got two fingers cut off from a gangster because you lost in a poker game or whatever. You never know. So if that's if that's my takeaway then I'm okay with that.
0: That was fun. Thank you once again to Matt Ramo for guesting on My Grody Valentine and Sex and Violence. You can once again check out his stuff at geekk.com, G-E-E-K-A-D-E.com, or listen to him and Chris on the Wave Back podcast. Or check out Ring the Bell of J.R. Perez, Backdrops and Body science and his work on Briefcase Productions. That about does it for this week. You can find us on the internet at topgallantradio.com. Follow us on the Instagram at sexandviolencepod. Or send us an email at sexandviolencepod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with a guest, I think, and then we're back to the old rotation. I'm Gabriel Mara. Follow me at Baby Mara at 5 A's. the end of it. And see you guys soon.
1: This has been a Top Count Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Reichel and Gabriel Mara. For more podcasting content, go to topcountradio.com.